Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friend, Simon Miller here from Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. One day I'll get someone that's not Simon Miller to do this. And it will be very confusing once again coming at you just from in front of my computer desk with a microphone sat in my face. I know we didn't do any live streams last week, but somebody may have been recording an OBS video earlier. I needed some footage for a video. And they may have then thrown their laptop on the floor. That laptop may now currently be getting fixed. And that person is me. So it's almost as if this was almost like the, the podcasting powers that be telling me, Simon, just do a couple of weeks like this. But please do get in touch. Go to Twitter at Simonmiller316. Get in touch and let me know. Do you prefer it like this? Do you like the Twitch streams? I know sometimes we have some audio quality when I download the audio from the Twitch streams. But maybe you prefer your podcast like this. Please do let me know. And of course, if you want to come on the podcast, check out patreon.com forward slash Simonmiller316 to see the post-pandemic tears or pledges, whatever the word I should use to to try and pimp that out i've kind of tried to make it a little bit more accessible um and just sort of really reduce it right down so hopefully to build the support in a time where i understand it's quite hard to uh to, to make money and all of that and i have some brand new merchandise too which someone mentioned to me that i never mentioned on this show all courtesy of pinsandknuckles.com pinsandknucklesmerch.com they made it for me very very nice people um i had to buy it from them, obviously unless <laughs> they just sent me some merchandise but you take my point uh but yeah we've got the uh, the bald asshole tea that some people asked for and we've got a y tea which i'm very proud of it's like a little cartoon version of me just freaking out and i enjoy it immensely things that i'm not sure i enjoyed immensely segway king was this week's raw now it's <laughs> just by pausing i don't really know what happened like in case you enjoy the behind the scenes stuff it is the uh in terms of ups and downs which obviously is live right now it is the most well, it's the longest ups and downs we've ever done in history which is crazy for a random episode of raw i suppose the go home episode raw for SummerSlam. But there was over 30 segments, and that's why I think it just clocks in shy of 30 minutes. And that's because, of course, even if I spend less than one minute talking about every segment, there we go. There's your 30 minutes right there. But it was crazy. It was all over the place. It was nonstop. Some of it was absolutely illogical. And then the good bits were really good. So it was so confusing. I mean, I don't really know. I don't know whether because this was the last... Obviously, you know, the big news of the week is that they're going to the Technodrome. They're not. They're going to the Thunderdome, but I'm calling it the Technodrome for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But they're going to the, the, the Thunderdome, whatever the hell it's called. Um, and they're going there to basically trying to recreate a SummerSlam-like experience for SummerSlam. That was clearly the, uh, the, the catalyst behind it. But then they thought, screw it. Let's just buy enough time to do a residency here up through October. And we'll put on Raw, we'll put on SmackDown and Payback and whatever else we've got coming up. Now, WWE, when it comes to production, is very good. I don't think we can criticize them for that. So I'm quite excited to see what they pull off. However, at the same time, I don't know whether they were so focused on that that the PC just got forgotten about. Because again, this episode of Raw just seems, it seems so slapdash. I don't want to leave the Thunderdrome too much because 
They're going to have digital fans on screens like you may have seen in other sporting affairs. I swear they did that with the, um, the, the, the Premier League over here. I know they're definitely doing it with some American sports. So it's not like it's going to be too out of left field, but they're going to be doing that. They're going to be using drone cameras. They're building an entranceway in a set that Kevin Dunn came out and said is more impressive than WrestleMania. So there's a lot of interesting things here. And I actually think WWE will pull this off. I think WWE will make it look kind of badass. And I also think, you know, while storylines are always going to be the, the bread and butter of everything, leaving the performance center, which is kind of claustrophobic, just, uh, you know, just a little bit. I actually think it will be a good dose of adrenaline into, well, just something, making it feel afresh, making it feel original, you know, because I think in terms of SmackDown, I could be wrong, but we're close. We've now had more episodes of SmackDown behind closed doors than we did in front of fans, which is absolutely nutty. And it's not like WWE can't afford it. You know, they posted those financials recently. They're making all the money. I actually think this is going to be good. It debuts this week on SmackDown, but I think there may have been uh, two eyes on that and like a Rey Mysterio, zero eyes on, on this episode of Raw. I mean, the Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton stuff is fantastic. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about Retribution. I don't mind Drew McIntyre being pissed off at Retribution. I think if you've got a group and a faction like that, they have to be infiltrating at every level from your lower card to your mid card to your top guys. But having it interrupt his promo, I thought was... I didn't know whether it watered down the championship match a little bit too much, but I also admit maybe I'm pulling at straws there and being a little bit finickety. I'm not going to lie. This episode of Raw wore me out from both watching it to trying to script it to try and perform it. So I could be a little bit biased, but I do like the fact that Drew McIntyre is involved in it now too. But Retribution, we just need to find a balance with them because on SmackDown, they basically go out there and try and kill a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Raw, they go the opposite way, and it's, they just don't do anything. They were here in the production truck, like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, for all of five minutes, and then they just went. And I don't know, understand why they got, and they're still not doing anything that makes me feel like they're a threat. Okay, so they interrupted the uh, beginning bit of the Raw, of the WWE show, the Now Then Forever bit, and they interrupted Drew's promo. At one point, Raw just went off air, which I'm sure for the um, <laughs> the more negative fans amongst you were like, sweet, good, Raw's over, let, let, let's go home, or let's go to bed. But once that was done and the Raw locker room had a big falling out and there was some teasing between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre, we didn't see them again. I know there was some light stuff and the glitches, but that's not... You know, we need to, unless they're going to wait till SummerSlam where they're going to do something huge. I think a massive missed opportunity is them not absolutely destroying the performance center, which in kayfabe terms would justify why they are now moving to this brand new arena. Like, I think sometimes we do drop the ball with the easiest things. It doesn't really matter. Like, I'm so excited for the idea, and I think it is the correct decision that it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over. But it would just, it's just like a wrinkle in the story. And you could, you know, if Retribution blow up the performance center and sure it would be fake and it would be CGI or whatever, that would be something. You'd be like, hot damn. Because at the moment they still do feel like kids or they do, they still do feel like kids on Raw. SmackDown, they're certainly getting a little bit more aggressive, but it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I need to feel like anything could happen when they're in the ring. And the truth is at the moment is that I don't. And I, it's a, I don't. I think this is a bit like a black, the Black Scorpion. If you don't know, the Black Scorpion was a WCW angle by Ole Anderson, where he wanted to have a cool opponent for Sting, and Sting won the World Championship from Ric Flair. And some guy in a hood or a mask, I should say, kept coming out and I know you, Sting, and I, you know, I'm your past, and I'm going to be your present and your future. And it was like, oh, who the Black Scorpion is going to be? And then there was so much fuddy duddiness with it because no one had actually decided who was behind the mask, right? So by the time it was revealed and it was Ric Flair, because they couldn't come up with anything better, it just felt crazy. 
And it's kind of the same here. At the moment, I don't get what the direction is. I don't get what the pathway is. Why are they here? What are they going to do? Why is WWE running promo packages for them in the middle of Raw when they're meant to be this... Well, I mean, anti-protest group or something. I don't even know anti-protest, but I don't know. You know, based on real-world scenarios. But at least they were still there. It hasn't been dropped, which which was a major worry. Um, but I did, you know, anything with Drew McIntyre I like is is the absolute truth. I really, really do. And even though here he got cut off, I thought, you know, just his intensity talking about everything he's going to do on Sunday, it got me pumped. And when it comes to that match, and we'll do the predictions on Thursday. I really can't call it. I'd be happy for Drew to win because it establishes him or re-establishes him as a great babyface champion. If Randy Orton wins, I think that's the perfect step for his character. that has been smashing it over the last few months. And those are the kind of the cool matches where you can make an argument either way. And you'll have your own biases depending on who you're a bigger fan of. But it's a top draw SummerSlam main event, which is another good reason I think that we are doing it in the Amway Center, I believe it's called. With all the digital fans and the sound and the production. Production is so important when it comes to wrestling. And you know that because... You can actually find things that Vince McMahon or Vince McMahon's team introduced to uh, wrestling. I'm trying to think of a better word than that, but sports entertainment that, you know, people like the NFL and, and so on and so forth have actually borrowed because they're good ideas. I think that was the same with the XFL. I think the NFL actually borrowed some of their things as well. But again, because it was good, it was, it was good ideas. And um, I also, I mean, I talk about the things I like the most first because, you know, positive Pete's. I think the Seth Rollins, Dominic Mysterio stuff is top draw. If you had told me at the beginning of the year I'd care this much about Rey Mysterio's son, I wouldn't have believed you. And Rey Mysterio was back on this show. You know, one-eyed Rey, and it was kind of funny because he's talking about how much he, I regret you did that you did this, Dom, and I'm so sorry, and my eye, my eye. But he's clearly just come back onto Raw, and that's fine. Nobody cares. Nobody's worried about what may happen or what Seth may do to him now. But hey, he's Rey Mysterio. Let him do whatever he wants. But, you know, seeing Seth and Rey, uh, Seth and Rey, seeing Rey and Dominic come together to kendo stick the crap out of Murphy and Rollins was excellent. They got their canuppance, they're the heels. The heels always have to get their canuppance, otherwise what the hell's going on? So it's just a really good build. They've taken their time. It makes all the sense in the world. And again, I don't mean, I, I assume, I think Seth, I don't think Seth Rollins should lose to, to Dominic. You know, I, I do believe in trying to build new stars, but I just, I don't, I think I'm happy he's got a big match, but I don't think he's at that point where he needs to be taken out guys like Seth. Unless, of course, you have a good story reason as to why. I am still convinced that he's going to turn on his dad, who, ha ha ha, didn't see it coming, which is not only the tagline of SummerSlam, they'll definitely tie that in because they're WWE, but it's also a joke about his one eye. <laughs> that's just the truth you can't pretend otherwise but i do dig it i think it will be good and i think if anyone i think i said this on a show the other day i can't remember who i was talking to but really out of everybody else on the wwe roster if you're going to put dominic in the ring there with someone you either want it to be aj styles with it which is not or you want it to be seth rollins so i'm pretty i'm pretty hyped for this i'm also hyped for the apollo cruise versus mvp match but i do not believe we built it very well <laughs> it was just too much too too much happened i mean the hurt business are great group and they look amazing but i can't quite figure out what what their story is because they were going to get involved in the underground raw underground which i was all for i thought that would be ace and then they didn't and now i mean what i think they're doing is i think they've already i mean i don't think mvp is going to win the u.s title i don't want to get into my predictions too much but sometimes you just have to but i do believe 
that they have now deliberately, hence why... I mean, basically, so you had like three matches for Apollo Crews, really, or four matches if you want to break it down. He had that match with Selton Benjamin, which he won with the most surprise, most devastating move in all of surprise entertainment. Surprise entertainment, that's a good one. And then later on, you have the elimination tag team match and Apollo Crews loses his two partners, Mustafa Ali and Ricochet, which on a side note, was I was devastated by that. I would never say anything like this with any real seriousness because I think as long as they're happy, then that's what they should do. But... They really need to probably leave WWE <laughs> because I and look, it's WWE is allowed to do whatever the hell they want. It's their, uh, it's their um, company, and if they don't believe that those two are talented, or I'm sure they think they're talented, but if they don't believe that they want to push them, then fair enough. But as a fan, especially Mustafa Ali, who I'm a huge fan of, I would love to see them get a better idea. And I presume that Mustafa is a little bit harder to take at the moment because he came back he had a big win and then he just what did he do wrong i don't understand what he did wrong so that's a a huge shame but the point of it of course was to leave apollo cruz against bobby lashley mvp and shelton benjamin and he took out not only mvp who's going to fight on sunday he also took out shelton before bobby lashley absolutely wrecked him like he did the entire night wrecked mustafa ali too which leads me to believe that Apollo Crews will win on Sunday and then we go into Bobby Lashley because, again, it makes perfect sense. And I also think Bobby Lashley will probably win then. So I think all of this was good matches, but again, it was convoluted. It was strange. And when all this stuff was going on as well, you had R-Truth out there. You had Tazawa. You had the Ninjas. You had the 24-7 Championship, which is the the um, the epitome of something not going anywhere. I mean, we've, let me Google this now. This is a good thing of being in front of my computer. So the 24-7 title debuted in the WWE... And May, 2000, uh, May 20th, 2019. So we're well over a year. And while we had that cool Carmella and our true stuff for a while, now it's just a bunch of people winning it back after doing roll-ups. I can't believe anyone is actually invested in this. So I guess much like how you try... I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to have multiple angles bleed throughout the show, which is what you should do. But this was kind of a bit of a hit and a miss. But I respect the fact they tried, and I mean that. I'm not just saying it. But, you know, weaving in the retribution stuff with Drew McIntyre fine with the after fact but maybe not over his promo and weaving in all the 24 7 title stuff here i know because shelton benjamin's involved again once again it just feels like too much and it feels like it convolutes it convolutes it what i do enjoy is everything with cedric alexander he didn't get picked here because earlier on in the night he um got beaten up by bobby lashley i think they're now calling the full nelson the full lashley that's a crap name but whatever who cares um but i think they're um uh, he, he, so he got waylaid by him. So Apollo Crews later on was like, oh, no, Cedric, you have to rest because, you know, that happened to you. And I don't know how bad it was. But to me, the undertones were MVP's been trying to recruit Cedric Alexander for weeks. Maybe Apollo Crews doesn't trust him. And then later on, when MVP did find Alexander, he continued on this boat. You know, he continued on this. Look, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't want to be with these guys. They don't trust you. Join me. And I think we should do that. I think the Hurt Business could absolutely... Uh, benefit for having an extra member especially if it comes on the back of a heel turn i suppose maybe that's how mvp wins at the weekend if cedric alexander does do that although i would try and tease it a little bit more obviously over the next few weeks but whatever you want to do is fine so that is good so there is a lot of good to take from this and mvp is just i mean look he, he was plenty busy so it's not a problem but he could have come back to wwe years earlier he is absolutely um, an asset to that company and talking about things just filtering in and out is yeah, you had Angel Garza flirting with that Demi from The Bachelor Girl again, and Ivar's there, and there's turkey legs, and then they have a match, and it was... I think, again, the biggest problem with Raw is that you didn't get any clean finishes. It was distraction finishes, roll-up finishes, uh, finishes that should have been DQs, but they weren't, even though last week that they were. 
And while maybe we are, maybe I shouldn't take these things as seriously as I do, I always try and take it from the perspective of somebody new watching, and they must be absolutely perplexed. Because the cool thing about sport is that you do have winners and losers, and that's sometimes where the cool stories exist. I mean, the Champions League, if you're a soccer fan, is going on right now. And Leon beating Manchester City was huge news, because it wasn't meant to happen. And all of a sudden, people kind of look at them differently. And that's what we should be doing when we're trying to build stars. Uh, yeah, but with Angel Garza and... Um, and Ivar, you know, he almost hit Zelina Vega. So that was the distraction. He turned around, got kicked in the head. And then when Montez Ford was taking on um, Andrade later on, Blanca Belair came out and beat up Zelina Vega, who was causing a distraction. And oh, just roll up, roll up, roll up. It's just a shame. And it's especially a shame with Montez Ford because I think he has something. Even from a, th I'm not even saying from a character point of view, from a moves point of view. Because he's able to do all these moves that everybody else is doing. But he does them with so much gusto and pizzazz. I'm blown away. That dive he did over the rope was absolutely incredible. And it was just a dive. But he had so much momentum, he kind of slid up the aisleway. And his frog splash is incredible. I think people will see that and they'll watch. And they'll watch WWE. Uh, which is, I mean, the poisoning thing. Do we even talk about that? I can't remember. I mean, the long and the short of it is that uh, Samoa Joe basically found out he had footage of Bianca Belair, uh, Bianca Belair, Zelina Vega poisoning Montez Ford. I mean, that's not that big of a, a big of a, a shock. But I do think that Andrade and Angel Garza may not have been aware of this. So I don't know whether they're about to fall out again, which will cause the Street Profits to retain at the weekend and then Selena Vega can go off and one of them. You do that one-on-one -on -one feud and then so far and so forth. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, again, just too much. I shouldn't have to explain it in that much detail <laughs> before getting here. And talking about matches, which were really just unbelievable. Mickey James and Natalia. Maybe I'm a moron for doing this, you know, more for me. But I like Mickey James a lot. I think she she's a bit like MVP to me. She's someone that can offer so much to the women's division. And she's always going to have a good match. And she can kind of play good guy. She can play bad guy. And she has a match here with Natalia, which just makes sense based on last week. I don't even care that it was a count out. I mean, I would have done because, you know, I think Mickey James just coming back with the stock that she has should win for all the reasons we talked about a few minutes ago. But it wasn't even the focus. <laughs> the focus was on the fact that Seth Rollins and Buddy had come out. So don't call him Buddy Murphy. And they were just talking to Samoa Joe because they're mad at him for having all this knowledge about Rey Mysterio. And literally in the background, you see Natalia hit Mickey James off the top rope and she gets counted out. But you, you may as well have had a sign up by WWE saying, yeah, nobody, nobody, you don't need to care about this. Nobody else cares about this and we don't expect you to care about this either. Absolutely hilarious. Genuinely. I was absolutely, I was absolutely cracking up. It's, um, <laughs> it's just, I can't believe it. I think it's a massive shame because of course there's, of course there's something in, um, in Mickey James being back. Well, I think so anyway. Again, if you're a different fan of a different era, you may not think it. But you know that the people like me are the ones watching. I don't know. I, I really, really don't get it. I mean, while I love the Sasha Banks and Bailey stuff, I think once we start passing those titles around, I really hope there's some good opportunities for somebody else. Uh, because we've proven how good we can um, we can do it. You know, the women's division in WWE actually is pretty decent, aside from that match we just talked about. And again, talking about the Sasha Banks Bailey stuff, that was cool too. It's the same old stuff, but it's really well delivered and it's really well executed. There's lots of winks and nods and, and um, uh, nods and everything like that, and nudges, winks, nods, and nudges is what I was trying to say. But again, there was more shenanigans straight away when Nia Jax comes back, who's suspended, beats up Baszler, throws her into plexiglass, and the referee doesn't DQ it. Now, look, as a fan, do I actually care? No, of course I don't. It's wrestling. It's stupid. It's goo. It's gaga. But you have to have a level of consistency. And when a couple of weeks ago, the referee was throwing out matches with two people that weren't even involved in the match, but here it's all okay, well, just pick one. 
It's why I kind of, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, I'll just accept it after a while and I'll stop talking about it. But WWE is like a ping pong match and they go back and forth. Which was a shame because this match was really good, especially the last five minutes or so. A really, really, really good match. And the um, when Shayna Baszler eventually made her way back to the ring after, you know, obviously she'd fought with Nia Jax to the back. I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is good. Like, this is really, really good. And um, Baszler tapping up Bailey, I think it makes all the sense in the world too. Because I think that Sasha Banks will lose her title at SummerSlam, which will obviously fire up that feud between her and her and uh, and Bailey. And then Bailey's going to have to do something with Shayna now, even though they're on different shows. I don't know. I don't know how we'll do uh, we'll do with that. And Oscar then has a title too. Although maybe Oscar wins a title and then you go into Oscar versus Shayna because that's what they were saying here. They have mutual respect for each other. But when the time is right, they'll go after whoever has the belt, which is also fine. I don't mind seeing Oscar Shayna Baszler. I've seen it before. It was ace. I have no doubt it'll be ace again. But really, when you take a step back, WWE are giving far more time to the women than they ever have. It's just, it's like a double-edged sword. Oh yeah, by the way, Drew McIntyre now has a sword effect in front of his entrance theme, if you care. But the double-edged sword, of course, is, you know, Mickey James and Natalia were treated as literal extras when they were having a match. And I understand why that's going to, uh, that, that's going to, to annoy a few. Had all the stuff with Shawn Michaels uh, talking to, to Drew McIntyre. That was just a cool closing segment, because of course it was. You could see it coming a mile away, unless you're Rey Mysterio and you've only got one eye, but... I just, I just loved it. Some people didn't like the fact that Shawn Michaels didn't sell it right. Well, you know, I thought it was fine. He looked like, you know, there was enough panic and worry that maybe, you know, something had gone down. All, all that matters is now that Randy Orton, the legend killer, has taken out Edge, Christian, Big Show, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, all of whom you could argue. I mean, the latter two, especially legends, and Big Show too. I think you have to put him in that category. Um, it's just good. And, you know, if Randy Orton does win the championship, I'm just racking my brain to think about what other legends can we bring back? to ensure that, you know, we, I think we should carry this on. I think every single one has an impact. I think it's great. I really, really do. So, yeah, all the all the love in the world to that feud. It's just been brilliant. Uh, you probably could have used last week's one as the go-home one, but having Randy take out another guy is, is all good. Is all good by me. Not 100% sure what Sean's plan was. Obviously, he insinuated that maybe he'd turn up at SummerSlam and kick Randy in the face. Uh, it could still happen, I suppose. Maybe that's why he didn't sell the punt like he was dead. Uh, I don't want Drew McIntyre to win it that way. But it doesn't matter as long as it's fun to watch and, again, is sensical. Uh, what is not sensical, another segue there, I don't understand the point of putting Ruby Wright and Liv Morgan back together. We're not only doing the same thing each and every week, which is the Iconics yell at them and then they yell back and then one of them goes in a match, but Wright and Liv Morgan lose all the time. And obviously the story is meant to be, oh, maybe they don't trust each other. But they, surely the trust has to be built back up before we destroy it again. I honestly thought this was the same segment from last week. I had to go back and read it and double check it. I mean that. I'm not joking around. And you can say, Simon, that's more that's more on you <laughs> than anything else because you're an idiot. And I'd be like, that's fair. I I, I can I, I can I can accept that, but um, it doesn't do anything for me is the main thing. It doesn't. Do, I don't get excited about seeing them, which is bizarre because I think the Iconics are great characters. I think Ruby Riot has something, and I think Liv Morgan has something. And yet, right now, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing any of it. The surprise of the night is that I like Raw Underground. It's not perfect. I don't need Shane McMahon yelling over everything. And, you know, this week having a, a match finish and a non-finish was, was dumb. But I really like the way it looks. I really like Dolph Ziggler versus Ivar or Eric, whichever one it was. I get confused. Uh, I like the little nod to UFC when he poked him in the eye. And some of the matches look actually quite badass, if I'm completely honest. I love the fact that uh, Shayna Baszler 
uh, Shafir and Jessamine Duke were involved. They teased that throughout the night and they turned up and Nia Jax was all... These are all things that actually made me intrigued to watch next week. Like, I thought they were really, really well, well done. And again, we need to tighten up a little bit because there's a new rule every week after being told that there's new rules. Um, but even the match between Riddick Moss and Toro Ruas, I think I'm saying it right. Even with that match, which again did just end when they rolled out the ring, I thought they were hitting each other quite hard. And even if they're not, it appeared that they were. And that's, that's what I need. But we need to get storylines in place now. We need to start building this. And not I mean, it's only been a few weeks, so we have to give it some time. But we need sort of real strict direction for this that I don't know whether it needs to feel as separate from Raw that it does, because I think sometimes that makes it feel a bit weird. I don't know what the answer is necessarily, but again, teasing that we're going to do Shayna versus Nia down there and how great Dolph seems to be down there. Dolph always looks good in this kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I I don't think Raw Underground is the worst idea ever. I didn't like it when there was porn music and dancers. Some people like the dancers, which is fine. It's just not my thing. I think, you know, when there's dancers, if I sit down there with a friend who doesn't watch wrestling, it's embarrassing because I'm always a scantily clad woman. You have to go horny teenage boys. and yeah, It's not my thing. It's just not. You may be a horny teenage boy. Good for you. You're going to you have some material to, <laughs> to use. But I, I honestly, I don't think they should get rid of Raw Underground. I, I just don't. I think we just need to... We just need to make it make more sense. It doesn't really make much sense at the moment. I don't know why Shane McMahon's there, like I say. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what the deal is. But I like it. And when it comes on, I feel my brain pick up because it's a different athletic and it's a different atmosphere. And it's a different uh, and it's a different visual. And those are the kind of things that I that, that I need. And next week, we are going to get Eric versus... Um, no, sorry. He, sorry, Ziggler beat Eric and then Ivar threw him into the crowd, which I enjoyed. So now we're going to get that. So there we go. That actually makes more sense than 99% of the shows, that the matches we get on Raw, which kind of just happened because, of course, a wizard in the sky puts it together. So there's something there. I don't think we need to just throw it out right now. Um, it's going to uh, it's going to be super interesting. Um, this just popped up in my Google alerts that we may as well talk about. Apparently, WWE is paying $450,000 to use the Amway Center over the next two months. This comes from John Alba, who often reports on Florida-based stuff and WWE-based stuff. Uh, it's two months they've got it for. Of course, that's 60 days. I'm sure they'll be able to use it for as long as they want. It all depends on when they can actually put their own fans back in there, because I'm sure they'd much rather be doing that. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but I think it's... I think it's the, I honestly think it's the right thing to do. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think... I, I, you know, I, WWE's doing it because they believe the poor ratings is because of the Performance Center. And I would say that ties into it to a certain degree. But again, you, you could have it anywhere... And, it, it, you know, if the stories were good, people would tune in. That's just that's just the truth. They would tune in regardless. But I do think it's going to help. So uh, fingers crossed that, um, that they do something with this and they can get out of the hole that they're in, which is the major thing. So many people are happy with the ratings. I, I'm, I want everyone to do well. I really, really do. That goes for AEW and WWE. And if this can get more people interested and feels like an actual WWE live event, then more power to them. Talking about that as well, going back to SmackDown last week. Again, usually we get good SmackDown, Bizarre Raw, or vice versa. We didn't uh, necessarily get that. I mean, the big talking point is the Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss, Bray Wyatt stuff, which I both love and hate in equal measure. I think, you know, the, the fact that Braun has gone totally back to his old self, which is what The Fiend has done, but can't realize it, is excellent. I think that's a really nice sort of um, flicker of the story. But the Alexa Bliss tie I find a little bit weird because it's going back to Mixed Match Challenge, which only about seven people watched. And I don't really get what, who The Fiend is now. I'm meant to like him. I'm meant to lot like him. Again, we need to let it play out. But I 
I don't buy Braun Strowman as Universal Champion. I would absolutely have The Fiend win, and I would just separate these two. I don't think going... And how did Braun Strowman teleport to the back? <laughs> just tell me he's got teleportation powers, and, and, and we can go from there. The, my favorite thing about SmackDown is Big E. Um, I mean, he got Drew McIntyre as well in the sense that Retribution were a major part of his angle. But he still beat John Morrison, if I recall. I think he did. Um, I just think we had all that madness with the roster coming out at, at first. But, you know, he's somebody that I want to see do well. And I often find when you... Uh, yeah, when you when you want to see someone do well, it's so much easier to like them as a good guy. And that's how I feel about Big E. I'd be more than happy for him to go into a feud with The Fiend straight away. I don't think he is, because I can't remember who he set up a feud with now. Is it Sheamus? It was Sheamus, because he bro-kicked him. So we're going to do that first. Which does really open... I, I think The Fiend will win. So that begs the question, who goes into a main event match with The Fiend after that? Because a lot of people are taking up. But by the end of the year, I think Big E should be challenging for the Universal title. I don't think we need to wait any longer than that, because why bother? I, I think that's long enough if you if you do things right. But um, it was still good. And again, someone else that deserves a shout-out is Mandy versus Sonya. Mandy versus Sonya, and we should talk about, well, I just mentioned it in passing now. Obviously, Sonya Deville got, I mean, stalked, and then someone broke into her house or something absolutely nuts. And, you know, if she hadn't had the right security system, who knows what would have happened? That's just mad. I mean, I suppose it's one of those things that can or does, can and does happen to famous people. I mean, as bad as that story was, depressingly, there's far worse stories. You hate to say it, but it's uh, but but it's true. Um but thankfully, she was okay. But, you know, in case you're out there planning anything like this, change your plans. It's not normal. Don't chase down people's addresses because you're always going to make them feel awkward. You may think you're doing them a really nice thing by sending them fan mail straight to their house, but they're going to feel uncomfortable in their own home, and you should never, ever, ever, ever do that. So, you know, keep that keep that in mind in case you, in case you think otherwise. But in terms of the story, it makes so much sense in the world. It's not overly complicated. Sonya thinks that Mandy is a bad person, so she now wants to make makes her to look like a bad person on the outside. She cut her hair. Mandy Rose says, fine, let's do a hair versus hair match. You can explain that in six seconds. And if I was going to try and explain everything with Alexa Bliss, Brady, and, um, and Braun, I know this because I tried to do it the weekend when I saw some friends. It takes a long-ass time, and even then, they do not understand. And these are people that watched wrestling in the past. <laughs> which makes it even uh, makes it even harder. The real question is, are we going to shave Sonya Deville's head? Because I think there's something in that, you know, with her fighting background and just her attitude in general. I think doing that and then potentially sending her to Raw Underground, which I get makes no sense, but let's not pretend that WWE wouldn't do it. I think it would be absolutely excellent. I think it would be great. I think it would be something new for her. Uh, the look helps and she'll look like an absolute crazy person. I now want to see her versus Shayna Baszler in the Raw Underground because I think you can actually build the whole set around that. And it's a decent win for Mandy Rose too. They should just have a fight as well. Some people like saying, oh, but they're not very good wrestlers. I disagree with that vehemently, but it doesn't need to be a wrestling match. You know, you cut somebody's hair. You try to try to wreck their life. I want to see you fight. You want to use weapons, you can use weapons. So um, it's just there is a lot of good on on SmackDown, and I really liked. I mean, I hate that I have to say it like this, but I really like AJ Styles' piss board, <laughs> which, if you don't know, is the phenomenal intercontinental statistics system. Two reasons: one, that's the kind of dumb I like in my wrestling. I know more for me, but also the fact that Joseph Parks, who was Abyss from uh, TNA, who is a um, uh, a producer, a road agent now in WWE, seeing him again. Oh, he's just great. I always loved that character. I always liked it when he was kind of doing that split personality thing, a la Kane. Um, I always thought he pulled it off well. 
And those two together to me just had chemistry straight away. So I can't wait to see where we go with that. Jeff Hardy actually had a reason for interrupting because he was screwed out of the IC title tournament. So why wouldn't he want some kind of revenge? So yeah, I mean, again, SmackDown was actually really decent in many ways. Like they really did a good job in trying to string it together. There was just, you know, there was just some nonsense, much like WWE telling us at the start of the show, oh, we have so much security for Retribution, who then got absolutely wrecked straight away and ruined a match between John Morrison and... <laughs> Big E. It was like, oh, okay. Just like popping your balloon as soon as you were as soon as you were trying to get into it. And also it's just Shorty G, Chad Gable, the treatment of him. He goes into my Ricochet and Mustafa Ali category. I like him so much. I think he's so talented. Now I don't think he's gonna be, you know, WrestleMania main event or anything like that. But the Shorty G thing is just shooting him right in the leg. Like he's just shooting him right in the leg. He doesn't give him any kind of Well, quite literally, doesn't give him any kind of leg to stand on. It just it holds him down. And now I can't even work out whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. And I don't mind that. I think Shades of Grey is really important. But you've got to make sure that, again, there is some logic running through it. And it doesn't feel like that right now. It just feels all over the place. And I don't know what's going on with Baron Corbin and this idea of the King's Ransom. I don't think they know which direction it's going in. And I think, I think that's the issue. But SmackDown did have its moments. It did. And I know a lot of people like the Alexa Bliss stuff. And as I always say, if you enjoy it and you're entertained, you've won. It's as simple as that. You sit down to have a good time. And it doesn't matter what anyone on Reddit or the internet or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram says to you, if you thought it was good, then it was good. And nobody, uh, nobody can, um, can ever tell you, can ever tell you otherwise. Uh, interestingly, too, in that amazing segment last night between Randy Orton and Ric Flair, I was reading this earlier. I was like, my word, I want to see it. Uh, There's a report from Fightful, I believe, give them their, they give them their due. Um, but apparently it was edited down from what they originally shot because there were minutes of material in the program that were edited out because of timing issues. Now, I didn't think it was too long, but it did go a long time. So that straight away I read that. I was like, man, what else is in there? Because, you know, the, the video package they had on Raw this week was so good um, recapping all of that. And I genuinely think if that didn't get you invested, you're probably just not a wrestling fan anymore. I thought it was that well produced. But it reminded me of how great Ric Flair was in that role. So what else was said? Because Randy Orton held his own too. He said some proper like, oh my gosh, things. So, you know, more of this. That's why I don't understand. Take whoever is making the Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville stuff. Take who was ever doing the Big E stuff, uh, the Randy Orton, Ric Flair stuff, and just make, put them on other projects. <laughs> put them on other projects. I honestly think WWE is just a few shifts away from being a really, really good TV show. You're not going to like everything because how can you? In a, in a show that is um, 52 or with SmackDown 104 times a year. But at the moment, there are things that they do that are just, again, like I say, completely confusing because they don't make any sense. And as soon as we can get rid of that, we're going to be headed in a much better direction. But yeah, I, um, I was exhausted by the end of Raw. There's no point pretending otherwise. I'm a positive Pete, but you have to be honest as well. And I was absolutely absolutely worn out <laughs> but i am intrigued about SummerSlam. i think SummerSlam has some has some good matches and i'm sure we're going to get some uh extras before the end of the week which will screw up my predictions that i'll do for what culture but at the moment the eight matches are raw tag team champions uh, street profits against andrade and angel gaza drew versus randy apollo versus mvp dominic versus seth sasha versus oscar bailey versus oscar braun versus the fiend and mandy rose versus sonya deville i'm gonna guess we get lucha house party versus uh thingamajigs uh, Cesaro Nakamura. I don't think we are going to get Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles because that's being advertised for SmackDown. I don't think you want to do it twice in a few days, but maybe they will. I don't know. Uh, going on what we talked about last week too, Triple H came out and said that they investigated the Velveteen Dream stuff and there was nothing there. I have to take them at their word because I don't, I don't believe anybody could look into it and find, you know, what he was accused of and just kind of roll their eyes 
I think that would be absolutely... It's, it's unforgivable, both in the act and then trying to cover it up. We don't know that for sure. And of course, I know a lot of the accusers have vanished, but one certainly came out and said that WWE hadn't contacted them. Uh, Triple H also said the reason he was kept off TV was because he... Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, it was in that car wreck, so he wasn't being kicked off as a, as a punishment. And they say they've investigated it. And if it comes out that they lied, the correct consequences should be brought upon them, is what I shall say. In other sad news, Rusev was talking to Ryback, I think. He was on some kind of a podcast. And uh, I'm just going to read you what he said. Because I genuinely couldn't believe it. Because he went to Vince McMahon during all the Rusev Day chants and when all the merchandise sold out. And the responses that Vince McMahon had was that, A, the fans were taking the mick out of him. Or they were like, you know, it was, it was meant as a... They were doing it ironically, I suppose. They were mocking him. And when they said that they sold out of shirts, Vince McMahon thought it was because they hadn't made enough shirts. And it absolutely killed me. Now, look, am I biased towards Rusev? Absolutely. Let's not pretend otherwise. He's one of my favorite underrated characters ever. To the point that, yes, if he turned up in AEW and someone said, oh, ex-WWE, I'd be like, no, that's unfair. That is an unfair brush to tar this guy with because he never got given his proper chance in WWE, in my opinion. At first, yes, but then it fell away bad. And when you hear stories like this, I just don't get it. Like, okay, so, you know, Vince McMahon doesn't want to push rusev for, for one reason or another i can't answer why it doesn't make sense to me but to ignore it when it's actually happening and not think well let's go with this maybe we can make a star much like they did with stone cold steve austin in 1996 and i know that sounds boring and dull but it's true why the hell wouldn't you want to try that again and i think rusev has something about him he's a little bit more goofy than a stone cold steve austin but that's who cares whatever the reason you warm to someone is the reason you warm to someone I just don't understand why you'd come up with excuse after excuse. And this must have happened time and time again. I can't think of any names now. But, I mean, CM Punk would be one. Daniel Bryan would be one. I mean, I know these people managed to wade those waters, but still Wade Barrett. There you go. I said that name. That would be another. There are so many people that I feel had their legs cut off, much like Shorty G. It just baffles me. I mean, maybe Rusev right now could have been a, a bona fide, and again, biased, but maybe he could have been a bona fide top guy fighting for major titles and being a draw and selling merchandise. But instead we decided, no, it's not this guy's time. So we just, we just, we just won't bother with him. And that, I don't know. I'll never, I'll never understand that. I'll never, ever, ever understand that. And it was so sad to, to read. And you can almost, you can hear the sadness in Rusev's voice. Because he's saying, like, I'm doing everything you asked of me. I'm living my dream, you know, so I'm really thankful for that. But why aren't you getting behind me? Why aren't you investing in me? Hence why when his contract came up, he went, you know what, why, you know, how can I trust that I will be used in the way that I want to be used? That I can completely understand that. I, I would feel exactly the same. Because, you know, even though he is living the dream, like he says, a job is still a job. And when you're that desperate to succeed and you feel like somebody else is holding you back, eventually your brain does start sort of weighing down heavy on you. Because it sucks. Especially when you know the fans are there and all it takes is one sort of bit of support from the office and who knows where you're going to be able to, to get to. He also talked about John Cena and said how much he loved John Cena. He's just so much good. <laughs> so much good comes out of, um, of Rusev's mouth and I really hope he goes to AEW. I think he'll smash it there, especially when there are fans back, wherever it may be. Uh, the other hilarious controversy this week was with Dave Meltzer. Always with Dave Meltzer. Look, I like Dave Meltzer. I listen to the Wrestling Observer Radio. I like Brian Alvarez. A little bit of a fanboy for Brian Alvarez just because of what he does, right? He was a successful wrestler and uh, a media guy, whatever you want to call it, which is obviously what I was trying to do. And Dave Meltzer did indeed say that he believes most of the people in AEW have inquired about jobs with WWE. Now, I read this and I wasn't that surprised. 
I would imagine that most people in business would do that. If a brand new, uh, if a brand new, um, what do you call it? Uh, I can't even think of anything now. But if you're in one business that's had a monopoly over it for years, and then somebody else with some money opened it up, and your contract is coming due, well, you owe it to yourself to make an in, uh, make an inquiry. And if they're interested, they offer you a bunch of money. That's just your job. Everybody does that. But then, of course, Braun Strowman came out, hashtag not me, and said it's a pile of crap, and you know he he he's never got in contact with anybody else. Okay, maybe he hasn't. Like, I mean, um, Dave Meltzer did specifically say that Roman Reigns hasn't, which doesn't surprise me. He's a top guy, gets used well. I'm sure he's being paid loads. But I really didn't think it was the big controversial story that people thought it was. I'm sure that maybe some people in AEW have contacted WWE, unless they're super happy or because it's still brand new, they feel like there's a loyalty there. But I would never find it odd with somebody trying to make their life better, especially financially. So, yeah, that absolutely blew my brain a little bit. But it's all good. It's all good. It is what it is. I think that if you're a professional, let's give my personal opinion. But I do understand sometimes comments can rub you the wrong way. But given that it wasn't directly aimed at Braun Strowman, it seemed a little bit immature to respond like that. And he called him like Dork Maltzer or something, which was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> don't call him. Don't call him Dork Maltzer. For goodness sake. But uh, anyway, Braun Strowman getting across that he's very happy in WWE. And I can completely understand that. He's top of the world. He's a champion. He's a monster, quite literally and figuratively. But I bet if all of a sudden he was in Rusev's position, he'd be reaching out to AEW. Why wouldn't you do it? Protect yourself. We found out in March that there's no loyalty from WWE for most of the people there. And if you want to protect yourself and you are an asset in the in, in the world of wrestling, then you absolutely should. So yeah, that was something else that made me laugh. I didn't think there was a need for... I didn't think there was a need for, for anyone to say anything. It just seemed to make sense to me. It, it really, really, really did. And uh, Chris Jericho then poured <laughs> poured water on that fire. By, I think he did, his, he did his five wrestlers he'd like to see in AEW. And it was like Roman Reigns, Kota Ibushi, uh, Don Callis. I can't remember the other two now. Uh, Will Ospreay and, and, and somebody else. And you'll have to forgive me because I don't remember. I don't remember the last one. Oh, Jeff Cobb, I think it was. Mm, that doesn't sound right. Oh, who cares? It doesn't matter. But yeah, it made me uh, it made me laugh how everybody jumped on that bandwagon uh, bandwagon as well. But hey, you go. That's the last week in wrestling. What are you going to do? You just got to enjoy it as best you can. Sounds like Ring of Honor is going to be running some shows too soon, which will be good. New Japan slowly um, cranking it back up as well. I think Jay White is going to be involved in some of their America shows, which is good because we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen him in a while. Uh, and of course the other thing was Shotzi Blackheart had her car stolen oh man was that the worst story ever because you could genuinely tell she was devastated by this but she lost that helmet that she wore and she had this amazing story thankfully they got it all back and very nicely Triple H actually got another one for her maid which also warmed my heart I love stories like that but yeah between that and the Sonya Deville stuff I was like flipping we, what are we doing what are we doing why are we all crazy We've got to stop it. We, we, we really, really do. Right. As always, uh, we will finish off uh, with some questions. I promise when we get back onto Twitch, we'll be able to have more of a conversation as we go. But hopefully all of my excuses are good enough. And if not, you can tell me. You know, I'm, I'm not able to do this without my patron and your guys' uh, support. And you'll always come first. And I genuinely mean it. We'll start with my man, Saeed Shah, who says, Anyone else feel hyped that the Thunderdrome isn't a post-apocalyptic fight cage? Uh, oh, gypped, sorry. You shouldn't say that word. I've just realized what you said. Oh, well, we're there now. Um, no, not really. Uh, I know you, you, you get it. It sounds like a really cool thing. I like it. We've talked about it already. I think it's a really good idea. I think it's going to breathe some fresh air into WWE. And everyone seems intrigued, which is nice. It's one of these things that everybody actually seems to like. <laughs> <laughs> which is a rarity. Uh, Lewis Matson, one I've been thinking about for a while. Would you sacrifice a Drew McIntyre push if it meant getting a match between Eddie Guerrero and Daniel Bryan? 
Well, yes, Lewis, because it means we would have bought Eddie Guerrero back from the dead, which would be far better than a Drew McIntyre push. And I'm sure Drew McIntyre would agree with you. Um, my match actually with Eddie Guerrero that I always like to see would be Eddie Guerrero and Bret Hart. Maybe that has happened somewhere and I don't know about it. I just think they would have brought the best out of each other. And you know what? Daniel Bryan is a little bit like Bret Hart too. I think that's why I like him so much. The way he wrestles, I believe it. Matt Graham. If you could choose any two factions across any promotion to do a six-on-six -six Survivor Series match, who would you choose? I would take Bullet Club Prince, Dev Prince Devitt version versus DX. Uh, who are my favorite factions of all time, I suppose, is the answer to that question. I think I'd have to put the NWO in there because star power. I mean, Hogan, Nash, Hall. I know after that they kind of go downhill, but it's a, it's a major deal. I think I probably would have done NWO versus DX at the height of the Attitude Era. Just because let's not pretend we wouldn't have all been hyped out of our minds. And there's probably better matchups you can do, but I don't think one would have garnered as much interest as that. Robert Pate, I tuned out of Raw and SmackDown a while back because I just can't invest anymore. Likely I've been losing some interest in NXT. Um, AEW, in my opinion, just seems to let the characters breathe and grow more. Do you think NXT is too focused on counterbooking? And what do you think the long-term effects are following this booking for both companies? I do think NXT has changed their remit, yes, to try and see what AEW is doing, hopefully try and balance out, which is never a good idea, especially when you look at All Elite Wrestling and you can tell they kind of do it a little bit, but nowhere near as much. They have plans and they always want to stick to them. I always think that you should you know, book for what you've got. And you should keep an eye on the competition because that's just smart business. But yeah, you should book to your own strengths and you should book to what you want, where you want to be in, you know, four, six, eight, 12, 16 weeks. I do think NXT has lost a little bit of that. And that's the reason people used to like NXT over Raw and SmackDown because Raw and SmackDown felt crazy and rushed and sometimes over the top. Whereas NXT felt like an old school wrestling product that made sense. And it still does. You know, it still does. It still has its um, its feeling, but not as much as once. And that's changed because of the Wednesday Night Wars. And hey, maybe it needed to change. Who the hell knows? Nicholas Coombs says, how the hell are you going to up those downs for all the wrestling happening this weekend? <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Don't over overwork yourself, my man. Yeah. AEW moving that Saturday show has... <laughs> Put it like this. My weekend is nuts. I'll do SmackDown... Uh, on Saturday, after watching it first thing, I will then watch AEW and NXT on Sunday because I'm doing the pay-per-view and we'll get them up on Sunday and then I'll do the same Monday for SummerSlam and then I'll sleep. I had to move some personal stuff around. Not that I'm moaning because I'm very happy and proud to do what I do, but it's it's going to be the, the craziest. I mean, some of these aren't going to be very good because <laughs> when you watch that much wrestling in a short amount of time, there's always going to be detrimental effects. You can't expect anything else. Uh, my man Francis Reyes says, what are you hoping to see from the Thunderdrome and when do you think we could see the Otis cash in? I think we've kind of gone over the Thunderdrome. I just think like, you know, big over the top production, which I'm all for. And I don't know about the Otis cash in. I think they've deliberately got away from that, maybe to make us forget that it even existed. It's a very, very, very good question. Question. I don't want him to cash in it for the tag team titles. I think if you were going to do that, you should have done it earlier. And the fact that Tucker hasn't been around that match uh, much kind of diminishes it. I don't think he's going to win the championship because I think by the time they do cash it in, the time will have passed. But I hope I'm wrong. I like Otis a lot, and I think with the right push, uh, unlike the Rusev stuff we talked about earlier, it could work out really well. Uh, Mike Pickett. Simon, I love your work, and please message me sometime. Well, there you go. I would love to interview you on my podcast. My question is this. Have you ever thought about doing a special ups and downs when you take a wrestler and go over their career? So Hulk Hogan from day one in the ring until now, maybe do the Hall of Fame inductees each year. 
we at What Culture clearly don't do a good enough job of advertising our content. <laughs> we've done this. We did it with Kane. We've done it with Undertaker. We've done it with Edge. We did it with Shawn Michaels, I think. People just didn't watch them. So we, you know, unfortunately, it is a business model. At the end of the day, you've got to be, uh, you've got to be realistic. So yeah, we stopped doing them, which sucks. As I massively enjoyed, uh, enjoyed it. Hopefully, we can look into bring bringing them back one day. But uh, yeah, they are up there if you would like to check it out. Uh, Thomas Speller says, might have submitted this too late. You're all good. But what does AEW do with Brody Lee when Cody beats him as I can't see him winning? Well, we talked about it earlier. Wrestling is a sport when we like to pretend that it's a sport. So you can always lose as long as there's a good plan coming out out the back of it. You know, if it ties into Brody Lee's story, maybe he becomes more of an asshole leader. Maybe the Dark Order start to suffer. That's when wins and losses don't matter. Wins and losses don't matter when there's a purpose to winning and there's a purpose to losing. But, you know, creating a paradox, it means they also do matter because that you're creating compelling content. And it's something that WWE doesn't do because they feel like they have to make sure everyone's got an even amount of wins and an even amount of losses. Not saying it's good or bad, just saying it's something that I notice. So I think as long as Brody Lee comes out the other side strong, much as he did when he lost to John Moxley, everything will be okay. And I love him right now. If you, I don't watch much BTEs because it's hard to get into my week. What an asshole I sound like. But he is fantastic on that show. And I kind of would like to see more elements of um, that character on Dynamite. Uh, Tom also says, I feel like NXT is too focused on counter booking, whereas AEW just seems to want to put on a good show. Do you agree on my bias because it's the wrestling I watch? No, look, NXT wants to put on a good show. I remember people always used to say that Vince McMahon doesn't know that he's putting on a, a, a he thinks he, he thinks he thinks the bad show. He knows the bad shows are bad shows, basically, but he doesn't care. It's not true. He thinks they're good shows. It's just not in tune with what the audience thinks is a good show. And I think AEW is doing their best. And I think WWE is doing their best. At the moment, just more people prefer what All Elite Wrestling is doing. I mean, there is a certain newness and freshness to it. Also, it makes a lot of sense. I don't think we've given one down to an AEW show. And that's not because I'm an AEW biased guy, as people love to say. It's simply because I know what they're trying to do. And they never really leave me, overall, there's obviously downs, but they never really leave me with an overall impression that something went horribly wrong. And really, SmackDown doesn't get that too many downs. It gets more than AEW, but it gets less than Raw, because Raw is the show where they do go absolutely nuts, and they do go over the top, and they do go crazy. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I massively, it's never boring. Well, it, used to, it was that period when it was, but it's not now. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't, uh, pick it apart for the issues that it does have. You know, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be transparent. Otherwise, what is even the point? Uh, Brian Thurman says, I'm now convinced a Swamp Bray versus Fiend versus Funhouse Bray three-way cinematic match is not only possible, but inevitable. My only question is whether it will be better or worse than the Cena match and maybe whether the title will be on the line. Well, I hope you're wrong. Uh, as we've already kind of talked about, it's not really my feud. Not buying into it, and you know, it doesn't matter that. It doesn't mean it's bad or good. It's just that's my personal opinion. I hope the fiend wins, and then we move on. I did see an incredible theory earlier that the reason all this weird stuff is going on with Braun Strowman is because Braun, the fiend, has now embodied Braun, hence why he's acting this way. So it's like voodoo shib, and. The reason that it's so hard to explain. The reason Bray Wyatt came out and kind of defended Alexa Bliss is because that's where Braun's soul is, and he's trying to fight out. I mean, it's absolutely nuts, and I kind of hope we don't do that because that's even for me who likes the ridiculous and the voodoo and the hocus pocus. <laughs> we may be making it too far, but hey, look, I, I'd be happy for it to be all over and done at SummerSlam. I just would. But some people are really enjoying this. I saw a thread the other day where. 
someone said that you know great job wwe on on you know having a super invested in this and i just don't feel the same and that's great that's good we should have differing opinions it's just you know i like the fiend and i like braun Strowman. i just don't think they click together there's just something that i don't want to see and i think wwe probably knows that to a certain degree hence why you know alexa bliss got inserted to begin with they were like what can we give this that will spark a, a spark of fire under anything and to finish off, uh, Ben Hersick says, super random, I know, but if Kane wasn't red and black, what color scheme would you give him? That is super random. Well, there's an amazing one that does the round when he's in blue and black, which always look pretty cool. I think yellow and black for me. I think yellow is an underused color. I know most people do, don't use it simply because, you know, it's so synonymous with, uh, with Hulk Hogan. But yeah, I think I'd have gone that. Would that have worked? Maybe a nice purple? No, purple. Purple's never a good idea. I'm going to go with yellow and black, because why the hell not, even though I don't think it would have worked at all. Um, I really loved Kane back in the day. I st still, I think it's my favorite debut. I'd have to sit down and actually go through all the debuts. But in terms of just something that blew my brain, I think Kane's debut in October 1997 for Bad Blood is my favorite. Chris Jericho's in 99. WWE would be up there too. I'm sure there are other ones I'm not even thinking about now. But every time I think about Kane's debut, I just think, wow, man, that was just perfect. And everything they did afterwards and leading up to the Royal Rumble when he set him on fire and <laughs> the comeback match at WrestleMania, that was good stuff. I shouldn't be ragging on The Fiend stuff as much as I am. Although that just goes to show too. It just goes to show you are going to accept things differently when you're a kid. Of course you are, because you're going to have a totally different perspective on these things. And it's why mostly when you are younger and you first find pro wrestling, nine times out of ten, that's the wrestling you love the most. Because it feels fresh and it feels new and it feels exciting. And you kind of realize that wrestling is cyclical a little bit and they, and they rehash storylines, which is not a problem. I'm still watching it now and I've been watching it for years, but... Yeah, I always think, you know, when I was watching it in 1997, I've been watching it for a good three, four years, maybe. I can't remember when I started watching it. But everything, especially when the Attitude Era started to come in, you know, everything still felt just so like crazy. What's going to happen next and what's going on? And someone actually pointed out to me that, you know, maybe right now what they're doing with all the non-finishes and the fast finishes and the fast matches are like a Vince Russo-esque, you know, just go crazy with it. And that's probably true, but it's not what I want to see these days, right? That's simple as that. It doesn't mean they can't do it or they shouldn't do it. But it's not what they want to see their days. I guess as well, because I started to become a wrestler, you know, I want to see good wrestling matches. Not the whole way through. I want the skits. I want the talking. I want the fast ones as well. But when you only have one sizable matchup, which of course was a tag match with the women, you do start rolling your eyes a little bit. Or at least I do. I do, because I want to see more of that. I guess I have a greater appreciation for it now. And I think there's disappointments there too. I don't want to go over stuff we've already talked about, but the Mickey James thing again, I think that was just a disappointing and I think we can all agree with that just because she's been around for a year. You know, she knows what she's doing. We really could have done something with her and we didn't. And she did do an interview saying that she was a little bit disappointed with it. But hey, there's a ways and means and hopefully we can sort it out and put her in a position that is worthy of, of her. Um, that's the end of the podcast today. We'll absolutely do another one on Thursday, hopefully on Twitch if my laptop gets sorted. Or maybe you're liking these ones. I don't know. Let me know. It's kind of uh, surreal just to sit in front of my computer and chat at the screen. But I like it because I know that you're out there. If you want to come on the Patreon or you just want to support all my personal endeavors, it's patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Come say hello on Instagram and Twitter at Simon316. Search for my YouTube channel. Just look for Simon Miller. And again, the Twitch is twitch.tv forward slash SimonMiller316. And if you want a bald asshole or a wide t-shirt, it's SimonMiller.BigCartel.com. That's enough pimping from me. Have a good week. Uh, don't enjoy AEW Dynamite because it's not going to happen tomorrow. Enjoy NXT if you're going to watch it. And then, yeah, we get to the weekend of fun, the WOF. 
And I'm sure we'll have a good time there as well. But take care of yourselves, and I'll speak to you again in a couple of days.